No, I I want a Mark Zuckerberg deal. Like Mark Zuckerberg can't be voted out of his own company. He still owns a good amount of equity for it to be a public company. I said, I, I want Mark Zuckerberg power. And she was like, Sheena, it's going to take us selling two or three companies and having enough of our own money within ourselves and within our community to ever yeah. be able to get a Mark Zuckerberg deal. It's never going to happen for us first time out. Hi everyone, I'm Marquita Harris, the Work and Money Editor for Essence, and welcome to Unbossed, a podcast for entrepreneurs, self-starters, and women who are about their business. Today, I've got Sheena Allen in the studio. Sheena is a fintech entrepreneur. She's an expert in all things finance and tech. She's the founder and CEO of the banking app Capway. And if you don't know what Capway is, you're going to learn about that soon. But what I love about Sheena and her work is that it has social impact. She's not all about the money. She's about empowerment. And in addition to being a fintech entrepreneur, she's just passionate about serving her community. And you see this through all of the work that she's doing. Sheena is also not a quitter, and you're going to learn why. She's launched multiple projects. Uh, One of those projects that she launched was an app, and this is when she was still in college. She was studying, I believe, film and psychology. She noticed a problem, and she decided to launch an app, and she taught herself how to create an app, and she did this, are you ready, in Microsoft Word. How, like, bananas is that? Um, Anyways, clearly I'm in awe of this woman, uh, but she's a serial entrepreneur. She's a self-taught app developer, like I said. And what I also love about her journey is just the fact that she's so passionate and she does not give up and she learns things from every experience. And that's something that I think all of us, we need to take away. And in addition to her work, We're also going to talk about possibly one of the most unsexy subjects related to money. I'm talking about banks, particularly about how our community is grossly underbanked. And if you don't know what it means to be underbanked, you're going to learn about that, too. Uh, Clearly, today's episode is all about lessons and uh, picking up some knowledge from a woman who is passionate about giving us knowledge. And some of you also might be familiar with Sheena because she had this amazing tweet that went viral about the black tax. And this happened like back in December of last year. And if you don't know what the black tax is, again, you're going to learn about that too today. So buckle up, get your notepad out and get ready to take some notes. And I hope this episode inspires you as much as it inspired me. Okay, let's get into it. I'm Marquita Harris, the Work and Money Editor for Essence Magazine, and welcome to Unbossed, a podcast for entrepreneurs, self-starters, and women who are about their business. Today, I've got Sheena Allen in the studio. Sheena is a fintech entrepreneur. She's an expert in all things finance and tech, and she's uh, launching a company called Capway this year. And we're going to get into everything that is shortly. You don't want me explaining it. You want her. Um, But what I love about Sheena's work is that she 
She's very passionate about it having social impact. In addition to being an entrepreneur, she's passionate about serving her community through the work that she's actually doing. So her journey, her work, we're going to get into it. I want to welcome Sheena to the studio. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Um, and wait, where'd you come from again? From Atlanta. Okay. And you flew in when? Last night. Okay. In Thank the middle you. of a storm. Oh, yes. It was, the weather was bad last night. Yeah. So the we, weather was We so circled bad. for like 30 minutes and finally the captain's like, well, everybody, it's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> Ooh. Um, okay. So it's one of those ones where you like you're holding on, you're praying. Oh no! Oh, oh and the, I hate that. That plane is like like in a roller coaster. Yeah. So I had one of those okay. episodes last night. Well, thanks for rolling in. Thanks for coming Ooh. through. <laughs> it's one of those you get out and you walk out. You do plane. You get out and, you're and just your like, legs are like yes. like yes. It's like I am on ground. <laughs> Thank you. Got it. Well, I'm glad you made it safe. So, um, I like to ask everyone pretty much the same question when we start. Tell me about your first job. I worked at McAllister's Deli in high school. Okay. How old um, were you? I started at McAllister's at 16. Okay. All right. This was my very first job. And this was in, was it Terry? Um, Byram. So okay. it's right outside of Terry. So okay. the, the next town over. Got it. Uh, so I worked at McAllister's as a, um, I took orders and I, you know, took the food. I was like a waitress kind of. Um, very first job. My parents were very much like when you turn 15, 16, you have to have a job. Same. So <laughs> I had a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played sports. So I actually didn't work when basketball season was in. Okay. So from November to March, I didn't work. And my boss was super, super cool. Um, so I would leave in October because that's when practice like really started. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would come back in March okay. when the season was over. But that was my very first job. Okay. So what is there anything that you learned from that job that stuck with you? I do not want to punch a clock in my life. <laughs> Amen. Yes. I mean, come on. Like, at the root, like, let's, at, in the least, that. So, and you... Didn't, didn't want to... It clearly stuck because you're you're yeah. working for yourself now. But we're going to get into that. Um, so, I want to know more about growing up in Mississippi. So, from what I understand, now, fact check me. Let me know if I got my facts right. Um, you... Grew up in Mississippi, and I believe I read somewhere that Mississippi has one of the highest underbanked populations. We do, what unfortunately. Is that, what does that mean for those who don't know? Um, we Well, to be an unbanked person means that you do not have a bank account. You mm-hmm. pretty much operate as being a cashless person, um, cash-based person. So everything that you do is either through a prepaid debit card, if you do have to have a card, mm-hmm. or you're just paying cash for every single thing. You in no way have a bank account. And why is why is that a bad thing? Well, for one, in today's society, you have people that are going completely going cashless. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really hard, especially for your millennials and your Generation Z, because you need plastics to do a lot that we do in today's world. Yeah. Um, Uber, Spotify, Amazon, there's numerous things that you have to have some type of an account to connect it to. But um, the biggest reason why it's a problem is because people who are unbanked actually pay so much money in fees yeah. that I don't, honestly a lot of them don't even realize how much they're paying in fees um, to be cash-based. So this is like when we're talking about those, um, what is it, those payday loans mm-hmm. and um, all those, I mean, I call them like, Scams because they they kind they yeah. pre- they pretty much yeah. are <laughs> they are, they are a mixture. Um, I am I'm in no way a fan of anything part of the predatory economy. So your title loans, your payday lending, your pawn shops, mm-hmm. your check cashing, 
However, growing up in an area where people that I knew, including family, actually um, relied on those things, um, it's a catch-22. It's one part where they're charging you so much ridiculous interest that they should be ashamed of themselves. They should be ashamed. But then there's the other side where you're in an area that you don't have adequate access to um, traditional banking or proper financial services. And so it's it's like, do I go and get this loan that's going to charge me 400% APR, mm-hmm. um, but it's going to keep my lights on so my kids not to sit in the dark? Yeah. And it's like, where else do you go? So it's like you, you hate the payday lender because they're robbing them to some degree. But, but then you appreciate them because it's like you helped that lady keep her lights on yeah. so that her kids you know, didn't have to sit in the cold. So did you experience that a lot growing up? Like were you exposed to that? I, personally, I remember um, I think I was very fortunate to have parents who were really, really like they introduced me to like this is, how, this is a checkbook. This is at the bank. And I would hate like my first check. Like I have m- vivid memories of that. And I also have vivid memories of my mom dragging me to the bank as a kid. And the only thing that I would like are the free lollipops that were there. But like, but I also know a lot of people didn't have that experience. And I even like, I know family members close to me who would use those payday lenders and all of that. So what was, what kind of, what kind of memories do you have about money? Like in that way growing up? Now, for me, my parents actually started my brother and I uh, bank account at uh, as teenagers. So I think around fourteen, okay. I had my first bank account. Um, however, that's not really the story of majority of my family members. Uh, my mom is what I would almost consider the black sheep of her family, mm-hmm. and just because what she grew up around, she wanted different. Um, which was a blessing for me and my brother, for sure. But most people, especially on my mom's side of the family, um, are 100% part of your lower to moderate income community. So there's 100% been times that I've taken my grandmother to a check cash in place. Yeah. Or I've taken my great-grandmother to get a loan that is for a family member where everybody's mad about it, but because she's the great-grandmother, she's going to do it anyway. She's going to do it, yeah. Um, so I've, I've had the personal experience of seeing it. And, I, and so I think a lot of people don't really understand the, the psyche like the psychological mindset behind a lot of what goes on when you're part of that lower to moderate income community. Mm-hmm. So you might have my grandmother who paid off a loan, and then Christmas time they'll give her a personal phone call and yeah. say, "Hey, no, hey, Miss, Predatory. you know, we have twenty five hundred dollars waiting for you. You know, it's Christmas time. You, all you just got to do is come down and get it." And I mean, when when you don't, you're not used to having money, and somebody sounds like somebody's giving you twenty five hundred dollars. Like, like you're going to go I, get I, it. They're gonna give it to me, but I, you know, I'll pay it back. Exactly. And but meanwhile, that interest and is ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah, I I hundred percent have personally taken family members and had to deal with the aftermath of dealing with the predatory economy. Wow. For sure. Wow. I've had, I actually, my, my little cousin who he's not too much, he's like five years younger than me. Um, that's the family knowing actually okay. went to a title loan place. And so if you've never known, if you don't know what a title loan place, because I don't think they're big, like up north. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't. Um, so title loans are really um, big in the South where you take the title of your car and oh, okay. I do know a little bit about that. Get them the that. types of your car. They give you what they feel is worth. Okay. So they might say, oh, it's worth 800 bucks. And really, it, the Killer Blue Book value okay. might be 2500 You know, it might be something. Um, and they'll give $800. You pretty much give them the title to your car. And if you don't pay it back, Damn. they just come get your vehicle. Damn. Wow. Okay. So I knew a little, like I've heard of it, but mm-hmm. I never knew. I don't think I know anyone that experienced it. Yeah. He and got the title loan and his car comes up missing. And we're all like, where's your car? 
and he had an excuse for like three weeks, and finally oh, he just probably, finally admits he's it. Like, embarrassed, right? Like that's so. I mean, you know, yeah. like nobody wants to admit they got that God had really yeah. and, and asked for help. Yeah. So and we okay. know and I you know, I actually just tweeted about this where we've become so accustomed to not asking for help, especially mm-hmm. in the black community. Um I think it's two reasons. One, I think we all grew up for the most part with that what happens in this house. It stays in this stays house. Stays in this house. So if you need help unless you ask him potentially That's a parent, right. you ain't asking nobody yeah. else. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the other thing I unfortunately I think uh we believe that we're the only person that's going through it um, when, in fact, 90% of Americans are actually struggling financially. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking we're just, just... That's not just black Americans. Yeah, no, not that's, at all. That's everybody. Um, so I always tell people, when you think you're one of one, you're one of 90 million. Mm. Um, so stop thinking that you're by yourself. Um, okay. In relation to that, tell me about a time that you had to ask for help. I actually haven't. See? And I don't ask, <laughs> and I don't ask. So that's why I say I understand. Like I don't yeah, ask because yeah. my pride is too high. Yeah. Um. When I first started, so this is my second company. Capway is my second mm-hmm. company. I had a company before this, which was called Sheena Allen Apps. Okay. And um, wait, was this the app that I was reading? Um. That you, which is mind blowing to me, a a non app creating <laughs> person, but you like created an app in like Microsoft. Yes. Word? What? Yeah, I designed it out of Microsoft Word and built I it felt, from there. I just can't I can't <laughs> wrap my mind around it. Obviously because I don't make apps, but I just I, the fact that I can't even remember sometimes how to do a strike through or like how to italicize something with the hot key. You know, just little things and you yeah. made an entire app and that's pretty dope. Me and um, those text boxes had a lot of fun <laughs> figuring things out. Okay, so wait, so this so your first company. Mm-hmm. Was a company called Chanel and Apps. Um, the company actually was was did really well. We generated millions of downloads. Had five apps. And what what was it in particular? Um, was it? it was it was a tech company, but we focused on mobile app applications around really the media space, so photos and video applications. And this was um, how long ago? I started the company actually my senior year of college. Yes. Um, moved away from Mississippi in twenty thirteen. Spent a little time in Silicon Valley. Um, but actually, when I started this company, my dad was not really feeling me on this. Because I graduated in December. I started the company actually in like August. Um graduated. No, so you, were, you were studying psychology I was, and film. So he was like, right. what? what's up? What's, what's, so, what you know, being a parent and then <laughs> definitely being from the deep south, my dad was like, you have two degrees. You can go get you a job. Yeah. Like a, a job with a guaranteed paycheck. And, and I was like, some benefits. I was like, nah, dad, like, I really think I want to try this tech thing out. And tech in the Mississippi is not like, yeah. you know, and I don't think it, it's not that he didn't believe in me, but it was just, it's risk. Like, you no, know, go the safest route. You got yeah. two degrees, go get a job. But um, he cut me off, to say the least. Um, <laughs> he cut you off financially. Financially, okay. He did. It wasn't like, I'm not talking to you. No, it's just like, not me every day. You're not going to ask me for yeah. no bar. Like, I'm not giving you no bar. And <laughs> I went to Silicon Valley, left there, moved to Austin. And because I was doing a lot on my own, mm-hmm. um, even though the company was making money, of course, I was having to pay myself to keep the bills paid. And there was a point where, like, my account was getting low. Yeah. And in my mouth, like, there's no way I'm going to call and get the satisfaction yeah. to say that I need some help. Yeah, I'm not going to so I'm not going to get a YouTube. I told you so. So I figured it out. Okay. But I, I want to I want to know, though, like, how did you get into making apps? Like, you, were, you have these two degrees. You're studying. And it's, I'm assuming that you were really passionate about them once, you know, because you did kind of say like you're creative and mm-hmm. all of that, You, which is very, especially film and psychology. Mm-hmm. And 
it's you know these very cerebral things. Um, how how did you get into this? Like, what made you <laughs> up one day and decide to make an app and dive into tech? Did you take any other classes when you were in school? Like, how did you how did you train yourself to do that? Well, I will be honest. I took a computer science class. I think maybe my sophomore year of college. Um, more so just one of those like curious courses. Oh yeah. Hated it. I took it. one too and I hated it. I was oh, just going to say. hated it. Because I was going to say, okay, I took that same class no. probably. I didn't make an app. Yeah. <laughs> I remember just like missing like a semicolon and like the whole thing and thrown just completely, off. And I was yes. like, I hate this. I was like, like this is nope, terrible. This is not, it's not for me. Let, okay. me. let me go back to my psychology and film. What am I minor in marketing? Um, but I ended up having this random idea for an app one day. So I go to Walmart. So I had leased my apartment out over the summer. So I, so I graduated in December. So I had a, a fall graduation, not a spring graduation. And I leased my apartment out, came back. Me and my roommate went to Walmart, you know, in, this, in the town where I went to school. And I ended up with this, like, super long receipt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was telling my roommate, I was like, you know what? We're about to be, like, some real adults, like, real-life adults. <laughs> I was like, we got to gotta figure out a way to keep up, like, my money, like, with all these receipts we, we, we're having. And all those, yeah. And I was like. All those receipts. This was like, two, once again, this is 2011. I graduated okay. in December 2011. So the app store was still very young. Yeah. This was okay. like, it was like maybe 200,000 apps in the app store. Where it's like now there's like, like three million, million yeah, three, five million. Um, so I was like, well, I can't find it. Cool. I'm going to figure it out. Okay. And that was actually the beginning. The app did not do well at all, let me say. Yeah. Um, I'll say my curse, I think. Is that I'm a visionary. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of times I do things that are before it's time. Okay. Which can, it, it's a gift and a curse. So now, you know, you go to places, you can like hit receipts or mm-hmm. email a print or whatever. I, I was trying to do that in like 2011. Oh, that's crazy. Um, so I was, I think I was a, just a little bit ahead of my time. So the yeah. app didn't do well. But I mean, it did enough. But you learned. I learned. <laughs> and it did enough where like I fell in love with it. I was okay. like, this is a super dope process. How long did it take you to create it? Um, so I went back to school, well, I went back to my apartment late July. Um, the app was in the app store by September. So it was like roughly like two months. It wow. wasn't bad. It was a quick turnaround. Okay. Okay. So the app, it didn't, I don't like, I mean, I guess we, you could say it failed, but to me it's, it was you a learned learning. a lesson. Yeah, it was a learning lesson. You learned a lesson. Learned a lesson. You, you closed that chapter. You moved on. And so <laughs> November, before okay. I graduated, I was like, I'm going to try one more time before I graduate. Because even for myself, I was like, I didn't go to grad school. Like, mm. am I going to like, what am I going to do? Um, and so I, I did a second app. And the app was called Words on Picks. Once again, well before it's time. <laughs> Wait, I remember like, but it, this, okay, this was in 2011. 11, yeah. And I definitely remember, wait, when did Instagram, okay. Instagram kind of come around. It came around like I think they started their first idea like 20, 2008, but I think then it actually like, like popped like off to like 2011, yeah. 2012. And I mean, I'm assuming words on picks was words yes. on picks. So, so I now definitely like remember. Yes. See, I remember trying to like figure out like, oh, I wish I could put word, of course, writer, all that. Like, I don't care about these photos. I want to put words on them. And you were 2011. doing 2011. Just before my time. Just, <laughs> yeah, there we go. But uh, so, yeah, that was that. Was that. But mm-hmm. I graduated and my dad once again was like, yep, you're going to get a nine to five. And I was like, nope, I am really going to do this tech thing. And so that was my journey into starting tech, okay. um, continuing to do apps. Eventually I got to an app, was called Dublin. Um, 
that I got to the point where we were Dublin, like um, D U B B L E N. Okay. So it was about the fact that you could double yourself in the photo. So it was like you can have five yourself, like I play basketball against yourself, like kiss yourself, like those, <laughs> like you see, like those celebrity, like cloning yes, pictures. Absolutely. So I did it in an app. Wow. Um, and the app like blew up, like it went viral. So we was doing at one point like 10, 15,000 downloads a day. What I love about this is so rarely, I mean, you hear more about it now, like, you know, black women in the tech and mm-hmm. app space, but it would have been, obviously you did get, you know, you got some press and people knew, but not nearly enough yeah. people no. knew who was behind that. And Not at all. Yeah. And that's it's, pretty, it was funny, I actually ended up getting an email yeah. years later where this uh, young lady actually emailed me and was like, I just realized like this was created by a girl. Yeah, like, it's like, so not just, cool. This girl. <laughs> but it's so just, yeah, and then I end up doing that did well, and I followed it up with an app called Pixlit. So if you ever seen like the grids like on Instagram, mm-hmm. where like somebody's like like cutting a picture up and like doing this huge grid, um, we were actually one of the first companies to do that. How are you? I, you need to. But and this one thing about it, a lot of people do it now because like they're kind of just copying off other apps. Uh-huh. So we didn't copy. I actually did that app because I was in Houston. Uh, I was with a friend who was at. Uh, we were at a studio with a celebrity photographer, and he was literally on his computer cutting up the photos Chopping in Photoshop. Yeah. So this was before, like, the grid apps yeah. were ever out. I remember seeing people, like, do – because um, I'm in, like, media magazines, yeah. so you see art direct, like – but it just – Yeah, it was that. so complicated. And I was like – and his name was Touche. He was, I was like, Touche, I was like, um, would you mind if I create an app out of that? And he was like, what? And I was like, I want to create an app that does that. And he was like – I don't care. I was like, you want to partner with me on it? He was like, nah, I'm good. Like, <laughs> He's like, nah, this ain't my, this, this so is like, my lane. Cool. So, so you're just, I just love that you're out here looking at things that people don't even see as being a problem because he's probably just used to it. Like, this yeah. is how it's done. Like, yeah, I'm going to just do this thing in Photoshop and this older platform or whatever. And you're like, nah, nah, nah. There has to be an easier more manageable way for sure so you're literally picking up on problems that people don't even really pick up on yes so <laughs> that's it capway mm-hmm. what is capway how does it work and what problem is it tackling right now so capway we are how i like to describe it is an untraditional financial ecosystem okay um, so we're similar to like your other challenger banks when I say that when you think of things like simple, chime, um, you have stuff those mobile banking type of things. So we're we're a mobile bank by definition. Okay. The difference in what we do and what you see those other mobile banking platforms doing is the whole point of building this company was to build a, a full ecosystem for people who have been left on the outside of traditional banking. Which is marginalized folks, black folks. Marginalized. And, yeah. and so, you know, a lot of times when I'm I'm speaking or I'm speaking of Capway and why we do what we do and who we focus on, um, it even comes back to people being like, oh, well, you know, you have these big banks that are doing A, B, and C. And I challenged him. I said, well, you do realize, like, there's no Wells Fargo in the state of Louisiana at all. True. There's okay. no Chase Bank in the state of Mississippi at all. When you go to the heartland of, like, your Wyoming's and your, wow. you know, that's just land. That's like, just you, like, you're just not yeah. finding, like, banks, like, on every corner. Um, and then you even take that farther when you go into areas like in New York City or L.A., but one in five counties in L.A. are unbanked. Yeah. So it's not like just because you're even in a big city that everybody's being served mm-hmm. equally or having adequate access to banking. And so for me, um, growing up, seeing it, I was... I got to see that people of my age were kind of falling into the exact same cycle. 
of like, here we go, not having access to and you, financial. You did kind of allude to this earlier, but you're 30. 30. 30 just turned right. 30 okay. two months ago. Yes. Welcome. <laughs> I'm having an early life crisis. No, 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 no. This is, this is, when, it, this is when the good starts. <laughs> so yeah, I turned 30 in March. Um, but yeah, so I, and I just kept saying, I, like, I don't want to see my friends back home have to do the same thing that our parents and our grandparents did. Yeah. And I don't want to see the next generation coming up, Generation Z, fall into the same cycle. Because- no one's come to save us. Mm-hmm. I, I tell people all the time, no one's right. come to save us. Like, yes, J.P. Morgan's having a conversation about how to do some inclusion marks, but they're doing it as a small department over there to the side. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, this company was built from the ground up for this purpose. We're not a department. We're not yes. a branch. We are literally. It's specifically for this it's community for this that's community. And so the company started for that reason. And when I built it, I built it. I said, this is not going to be where I'm just going to give them a debit card so they can do it on their phone, which is a huge piece of it, though, Definitely. if they need it. I've seen that. But what can we do to actually build financial health? I think financial health is a thing that we overlook. Generational wealth, financial health. What's, where can we hit small sprints? But we're, this is a marathon. Um, so the first part of our ecosystem is actually financial education. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't call it financial education. What you call it? We just say financial content. Okay. Um, just because when you think of financial literacy, no one wants to talk about financial literacy at 20 and Meanwhile, years I'm just like, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I definitely, when I think about the mistakes I made financially in my 20s and the things that I just didn't pay attention to, I shudder. Because now yeah. I'm just like, no, no, no. Literacy? Financial? I want to know. What's that? Like, tell 20, me more. You know <laughs> 20, 25, you're like, no, no, no. I'm just trying to get like exactly. a meal and like be able to afford a couple drinks right. and I'm out, just whatever. And so <laughs> I, I, we figured out a way, a creative way, yes. part of being creative. Um, how can we talk about money and how can we explain money and teach money without it seeming like we're teaching money? Okay. And so it might be where we're doing an event or even like the content on our website or our, our app, or we'll do a poll of how many people actually own Jordans. Of course, people, everybody yeah. knows all the pair of Jordans. Um, you meet the guy who just paid 180 you know, for those, those pair, fresh pair of J's that he stood in line for three hours mm-hmm. for. And then you ask him, how many shares of Nike could you have bought? For 180 For that 180 Yeah. Oh, the stock market's for, for rich people. Like, I couldn't afford a share mm-hmm. even if I wanted to. Newsflash, a share of Nike is only about 85 bucks. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I get it. It takes more than two shares to make an impact. But my my point to that, especially to our culture, is look how many pair of J's that we have bought as a whole. As a whole? And we don't own, like, and we don't yeah, own yeah. a piece of it yeah. at okay. all. Um, so it's a lot of times it's just they just don't know, though. It's, yeah. it's So I want to make it where we gave, we gave financial content in a way where they understood it. You know, I don't know if you've seen the video of, like, 21 Savage, where he spoke of, how he no longer wore jewelry, or bit. he didn't buy yeah. as much jewelry because he realized, like, he got around wealthy people. That's right. They None of them was wearing all this jewelry. Yeah. Why? It depreciates. Yes. And so we would take something like that and then fall into the lessons of depreciation. Because okay. they'll watch that video about 21 Savage. Yep. If I put up a video starting with depreciation, that, nah. Yeah. So nobody's going to Yeah. That ain't really, yeah, that ain't yeah. what I'm looking. But I bet if I put up a shiny new S-Class Mercedes, they're going to click and be like, okay, what's, what's, that, what's this? What's that about? It'll be, okay, you just bought this new S-Class Mercedes. It's 90K. What kind of responses have you gotten from the community when you go into these and you start to teach, you know, these little lessons? Um, 
so we're mainly mobile we're virtual so we don't we do, we do do go into communities though, mm-hmm. but we're our first things actually being more of a digital platform. But a lot of times, just people for one, they'll say thank you for talking to me in a way that I understand. Yeah. Um, and because I hate the word dumbing down, it's not about dumbing it down. Mm-hmm. It's about making things culturally relevant to an audience who no one's paid attention to them before. And then all of a sudden now everybody's like, oh wait, there's money in that market. Like let me figure it out. Like no, we're not your savior, but who can? I come from where you come from. Um, I think the thing that we that we get a lot is like you're relatable. Yeah. You know, I always thought when I think of money and banking, I always think of the old white man. Yeah, I think all of us do. I think Still, all of them, right? <laughs> I get that all the time. Like and for the record, like I got like Sheena sitting here with her like army fatigue jacket, lumberjack, red and black underneath, just like kicking it. <laughs> well, we get, and we get people like, oh my gosh, like you're so relatable. And yes. I think that has actually worked for me for my career. And yeah. I just, but I have a country accent. It's not going anywhere. I left Mississippi in 2012, 2013. It's it not going nowhere. It's still there. <laughs> um, so we get people that are very appreciative of the fact that. We talk to them like they're human. Okay. Um, we talk to them in a way they understand and that we're actually here to help. It's not, once again, it's not like they're afterthought. It's yes. not like, oh, well, we know it's a big market now. We're going to try to figure out, like, no, like, we were built for you. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them felt like nothing was ever built for them that was truly helpful. So I love that you put it like that because obviously I've read so much about Capway and everything, everything that you're doing, but I just never thought about it like that. Like so many of the, you know, bigger banks and these institutions, they are made for a broader, (laughs) a broader demographic. Um, And they're looked, they're just kind of positioned a little differently where Mm -hmm. you are very much, you've created this specifically for this demographic that's underserved. And so therefore that platform is going to reflect that way we use it and how they have access to it. So speaking of which, how do people have access to it? <laughs> so we are mobile first. So you can always download the app. It's okay. in the App Store and the Google Play Store. So just Capway. Um, and you also can always visit our website, which is capway.co.co. But you're also launching. So our debit cards actually launch next yes. month. Okay. And um, this is um, super excited about in it. June. I'm like, I'm already, <laughs> I'm still like stuck in eight, like what, April? This is. <laughs> Everything runs this together. Might, this this point might actually life. drop around. June, but yes. Okay. So so. our goal is to launch next month. And I say the goal because anybody who's ever been into tech knows that entrepreneurship. Period. Sometimes you like my my deadline our lunch date is Monday, and then Sunday comes. You're like, (laughs) nope, Monday just is not going to happen. So let me rephrase. We're launching in the spring. Okay. (laughs) Um, that gives a a, a pretty much wider area. Uh, So we're launching our debit cards in the spring, um, and then later this year. Or early next year, it kind of depends on how some things flow. Um, we'll be adding micro lending to our ecosystem. Okay. So All it right. is about keeping the next generation out of the predatory economy. So okay. instead of having to try to go to the bank and figure, think you're going to get declined, like, you know, they're going to reject that, you know, for whatever reasons, because there are plenty of reasons why yeah. you get denied for that loan. Um, or you don't want to ask your mom, or you don't want to go to the payday lender. You don't ask for help. We don't ask for help. <laughs> um, we give you a digital option. So micro lending, like, um, what's the max? So we're right now we're working through, but our max probably around fifteen hundred. Okay, all right. Um, so small, like things. To, small things to keep the lights on, right. and because the the you know, the the study shows that the basic um human I mean, the basic American can't come up with four hundred dollars in the need of an emergency. So yeah. we want to stick around. Where can we truly be impactful and help? So if you need that four hundred dollars for something, you know, where can you go get it? 
the interest rate is not crazy. Mm-hmm. It's more of a gamified system. You're getting along, which you're also learning in the process. Um, so you want to kind of stick around that. We have like a very quick but very impactful um, opportunity. Okay. Um, I have so many questions for you in general about <laughs> everything. Um, but I do, like, of course, I want to know more about just how you were even able to launch Capways. But we can't. We, we could probably commit to a whole episode on just that alone. So let's narrow it a bit. How did you get the funding to launch it? And if you don't mind uh, um, answering, how much is it costing to launch this? So the we took an angel round um, when I first started. So 2016 was ideal stage. We did a, like research that year. So we raised 125000 doing our angel round. And it was really more so R&D, research and development. Okay. Um, we did a pilot during that time. So that's the development piece of it. Okay. Um, and give but me it, layman's it, terms. Give everybody. Yeah. Cause. So R&D is, is research and development. <laughs> so it was mainly us doing a lot of research over a three-year period. Okay. Um, when you think of financial technology, it's not something that, it's not like my first company where I can think of an idea and I can have an app out in like two months. Yeah. Like that is not how finance works. Mainly because you have regulatory laws, compliance laws. You have to make sure everybody's KYC, know your customers together. So this was different. Um, So we took 125 early on, and that came from... Like Liberty Bank, which is okay. actually the second largest African American bank. I was going to say yes. Um, it came from Backstage Capital, or Hamilton. Hamilton. Okay. Um, and so, and I actually knew Orla from my first company. Got so. It. Her story is so dope, It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and Arlen has Mississippi roots. Yay. <laughs> um, so we took money early on from uh, some angels, which included those two, which was major. So I think it showed one that as, a, as black-owned um, banks, they knew that their reach wasn't ever going to be what our reach could be. Mm-hmm. And that's not that's not in a negative way to them, but it's just the fact that your largest black-owned bank has about $700 million in assets. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. Yeah. You know, Wells Fargo has about three trillion. Yeah. Like we're in a whole we're two different ball games. We talk on M to T's. Like we got a B in between mm-hmm. that we ain't even touching. But um so we took that angel round and then this round for our pre-seed round, um, it was led by initial initialized capital, okay. which is um owned by Gary Tant and Alexis O'Hannon, which is Serena Williams' yes. husband. Yeah. So yeah, I've been seeing him giving you a little Twitter <laughs> love. Uh, yeah, I've been seeing and that. And that, that has been amazing simply because, of course, Alexis did Reddit, mm-hmm. which, you know, raised, what, $200 million just, or yeah. plus. Um, so he's able to give me pointers on, you know, really building a successful company. They were, like, some of the first investors in, like, Coinbase, which is now, mm-hmm. like, a unicorn company, um, Instacart, which is a unicorn company. So they led this, this second round. Um with, they, they let it at five hundred thousand, um, and that goes back into everything from the fees we have to pay. Like launching a bank or a debit card is not yeah, cheap. That's why I'm and curious. It's not fast. I want to know, like, how you know, just so in total, um, how much is that? Six twenty five. Okay, um, okay. which is. Somebody which else is in our shoes would have raised probably small. like three or four million by now. Yeah, I was gonna say which is small, um, which is. But we don't yeah. have that luxury. I know. As and black that's, women. That's we, definitely something that comes up a lot in the work that I do, just especially for the magazine. I'm always getting a lot of pitches and mm-hmm. um, a lot of women who actually really want to invest more in black women who have, mm-hmm. you know, just smaller, smaller amounts, but mm-hmm. it's just kind of hard yeah. to well, you know, it's, do it's, that. Because we do, I, I've had questions of, you know, do you think it's because... Um, your track record, maybe it's more because it was more like early. And I was like, well, no, because usually when you have a successful track record from your first company, it's proven that you have, you can, you can do it. And I was like, well, my first company, I grew, I bootstrapped. I didn't yeah. take any money. I bootstrapped a company by myself 
to generate millions of downloads and being the black mm-hmm. made money. Um, so you can't say me it's not because I haven't proven that I can move in, in the tech space. Yeah. And I mean, how many stories do you hear like about these white boys launching companies yes. and and they fail and it's looked at as being yeah. that that experience yeah. is looked at as being like an right now the Elizabeth Holmes story is huge. Oh my gosh! If I you know yeah. like yeah. you raised uh, you was actually considered the youngest big female billionaire off of something that come to find out was not even <laughs> it didn't even <laughs> didn't even exist. It didn't even exist. It didn't even exist. Like yeah. you had she had what like a mil, a billion dollar um, contract <sighs> like Walgreens or something yeah. like that. Which Maybe is, it wasn't that much, but it was pretty. It was, it was like two hundred million uh, anyway. Two hundred dollars from Walgreens it is too was, much for something that don't exist. So, I mean now my thing. <laughs> Like, so who at Walgreens actually like signed See? for but this? That's, but that's, I mean, and it's good that you brought that up because that's definitely, like, we just don't, yeah. they don't, they still see us in a certain way. And we still have to kind of like, we have to prove ourselves to them. Ten but, times over. Yeah. So, you know, you look uh, at like Jewel Burke who sold her company. Um, Jewel is actually someone yeah. who's responsible for me being in Atlanta. So right. shout out to Jewel. Um, <laughs> but Jewel struggled to get that $2 million that she yeah. raised. It wasn't like she got these VCs to just like write her checks and be like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. It was like pitch competitions. It was little money here, little money there. And she yeah. got the $2 million. And she started writing and sold it to Amazon. But imagine if someone would have actually truly given her money and was really backed her. Whatever she sold it for, she probably could have sold it for she 10 times more. more. Yeah, but she was too busy trying to struggle for with two million dollars to make something happen. Yeah. What's that? Oh, it's that black girl magic. I know. You see, she still made it happen, though, still right? Made it happen. I mean, and good for her. But still, it's it is kind of frustrating too because now it's like, all right, we're creating these things and then we're selling them, and we don't, own, you know, like we're not, we don't have any equity in that anymore. Mm. Like we're not there for the full development of it. We give it to somebody else because we need to. Yeah. And I mean, it's just you're gonna yeah. have to sell though that first company or two, mm-hmm. um, because the only way you're going to be able to truly control we're not we're not Mark Zuckerberg. I had this I had this conversation <laughs> with actually Morgan, um, the bond of, of yeah, Blavity, and we were having a conversation, and I was saying like you know I I want a Mark Zuckerberg deal. Mm-hmm. Like Mark Zuckerberg can't be voted out of his own company. He still owns a good amount of equity for it to be a public company. Yeah. I said I, I want That's Mark Zuckerberg want. power, and she was like Sheena. <laughs> it's going to take us selling yeah. two or three companies and having enough of our own money within ourselves and within our community to ever yeah. be able to get a Mark Zuckerberg deal. It's never going to happen for us first time out. It just, it's just not going to It's going to take Jewel selling her company, me selling the company, Morgan selling her company, them, them you know, maybe um, a few others that are doing really well in the space selling their companies, then come together and being like, oh, Sheena, you need, you know, a million I yeah. got you. But until we are able to build that by selling companies yeah. and working together, we're never going to get a Mark Zuckerberg deal. This is not going to happen. So your advice is really, you. I mean, it's pretty much like building companies as a form of currency. Really. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, it's, and it, it's, it's not always, it's, you have to take it as business. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be 100% honest, when Capway first came about, I was like, this is my baby. Like, this is. Like, yeah. I am trying to make an impact. I'm trying to change the world. That hasn't changed. I, I'm, the whole point is, is making impact. But nine times out of ten, I know there's going to come a point where I potentially will sell this company. Uh-huh. We'll cross that road yeah, when it gets there. Yeah. But um, I remember in a book I read, I think it was Russell Simmons' books, where he said he realized that in order to get the power, you had to get the money. In order to get the money, you had to make some things happen that maybe you didn't want to happen. So do I... It's my baby. Do I want to sell it per se? No. But I know that 
to get to that point where it's so successful that somebody actually wants to acquire for enough money, I can then take that and double can, back on the that. impact. Like yeah. the Shea Moisture guy. Like yeah, he's yeah. kind of taking that money and shout doubling back. <laughs> shout out to, to, to the owner. And so, you know, he's double back now and he's like giving you know money yeah. out to like tech under, female tech entrepreneurs. Yeah. He's doing A, B, and C. So I think sometimes it's just, we just, once again, we don't have that luxury. So we have to sell sometimes to just go back and double the impact from that, whatever we had to sell before that. Got it. So um, we are not at the end yet, but... Um, <laughs> Later on, I'm going to ask you about some women who are influential to you. But in general, in terms of business, who are some people that you admire? That could, because you've just dropped a lot of you know a lot of different <laughs> names here and there, like books that you've read, people that inspire you. Who who are some of the business people? Beyonce. Okay, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Why? You know what? Like everybody's. So many people are inspired by Beyonce. Mm-hmm. I have and a real for a lot why, of different, though. and I was gonna say I can see it in your yeah. eye. You got some. Yeah. You got some. Mine is not receipts. because she's just Beyonce, which I think she's like super dope, and yes. she's from the South, so yeah. you know you got to you got to get <laughs> you that. Big up, big um, up there. But a lot of people always try to down Beyonce's force, like, oh, she doesn't do well at public speaking, or she's maybe not the best business person. Like I just recently read where she took equity instead of money when she performed for like Uber. That's that's, that's smart. Cool, yeah. That's business. Yeah. Um, to see what she did at Coachella, like she sung the Black National Anthem, and then she turned around and wore HBCU type that's of gear, right. and then turned around and sold it, <laughs> only to turn around and <laughs> replug HBCUs. Right. Like that's, right. that's that's business. That's, that's yeah. That like some real. She got. I got. Yeah. I've 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 seen. I I look at her as entertainer. I mean, I think she's by far one of the best. Um, but let's talk about B's but business. the business from yeah. it is a hundred percent. I just look at she took off her own career. Mm-hmm. Like when you look at that documentary, you're like, she. This is not like I give this to somebody else. Yeah. Like no, she is like flipping through like the paperwork. She's like, let's redo it. She's like that boss where it's like, thank you, but it ain't right. It ain't right. Let's yeah. do it again. So from Ivy Park to. Looking at she did what she did with Reebok, mm-hmm. like equity she's taking, how she's making an impact there. Like that's business. Yeah. Like this that's entertainment is one thing. She's great. I get it. Love her. But business, like you can't take that away mm-hmm. from what she's done from a business point of view. Okay. So um I also like to I like to ask people to come in here <laughs> and big up themselves. Okay. Tell me about something. That you did, whether it's recently or whether you were, you know, early on when you were launching, that you're really proud of and you think everybody should know? Um, my first company, I was very happy to, when I hit the one million mark for our downloads. Okay. And I did it as someone who bootstrapped. Um, and I did it as someone who was started as completely non-technical. Mm. So, and I, this was how old were you when you did this? Started the first company at 22. Um, we hit that million mark with Dublin, which released in 2014. That's pretty major. So, that's, in 2014, I hit that million that's a pretty mark. Big, can I curse? <laughs> can I curse on my own pocket? That's a pretty big fucking deal. A yeah. million dollar, and that was like you weren't even like yeah, that's I, pretty. Good for you. Just me in my room and a computer, you know, <laughs> and your Microsoft thing. Word. Yeah, <laughs> but nobody really knew who I was at all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, something that I definitely like—you were on my radar before, but this was back in December. 
you did something that I think is really hard to do on Twitter. It went viral. <laughs> Not just viral, but you did a tweet that talked about money and it went viral and yeah. that doesn't happen. And I'm going to read it okay. if you don't mind. Um, it said, many blacks in my peer group are making good money, but because they're the first person in their family to quote unquote make it, they are still living paycheck to paycheck because their money isn't just their money. Their money is mom's light bill money, little bro's football money, et cetera. So that tweet went viral because, mm-hmm. you know, it just resonated with so many people. And to be honest, I don't, not even just black folks. Yeah, for sure. Um, A lot of the feedback actually said that. It was like, I see you said black like people, but like, <laughs> and I I'm saw white, that too. And I'm like, Asian, I'm whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was really powerful. Um, and for a while, it's, I think I may have mentioned this a little bit before, but me and just internally, like I've had conversations with a lot of different women here at Essence and just in the offices and where we're talking about different money things. And um, one of my coworkers, she's uh, responsible for all of the care for her mom, who's, you know, much older in life and, you know, came up, um, they came up pretty poor and they came up pretty, pretty broke. And now she's fortunate to be in this position but she's very much carrying her family. Mm-hmm. And it's often, you know, it's referred to as the black tax. Yes, the black so, tax. And, um, and I thought it was dope too because I was, you know, I was, I was sleuthing. I was digging <laughs> around in your tweets. But I kind of was looking down and it seems like somebody had mentioned that in your, they responded to that tweet saying like, oh, we call this the black tax yeah. in Africa. Yeah. And you kind of picked up and was like, oh, like yeah. I'm going to read, you know, I need yeah. to read more about this. So even you... You didn't even know what exactly that tweet meant to so many people, mm-hmm. and you got educated. Yes, oh, and I just sure. want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I think we were talking about this before the mic, before we were recording <laughs> a little. But you did kind of talk about how you are, you know, you're in a position where you can help your family. For sure. And I want to know more about how you're doing that, and how you're also like, what is your experience now as being, you know, kind of like a breadwinner in your family. So it's a it's a blessing, but it's mm-hmm. also a curse. Um, the blessing of it is you work so hard to get here, so you want to be able to bless other people. Um, I, I, you know, Oprah has this thing where she's always like, "You never eat alone," like yeah. you know. And I, I believe that. I think making it and enjoying something by yourself is like horrible. Like you know, bring somebody along with you, like enjoy it with someone else. Um, having a party by yourself is not really not really fun. <laughs> it's not a party. <laughs> but the curse of it is, yeah, people that count your pockets. And it's like you like yeah you count my pocket you have no clue like <laughs> what I'm doing um yeah people that have their hand out and they don't even understand what you went through to get to where you are um I've actually had to tell family members like you're not up it with me at two o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. yes I'm able to do this but it also I also got two hours of sleep for three months yeah. so that I can make this happen I wake up to cash app requests yeah oh wow. even now. Um, and sometimes it's not a lot. Sometimes it's like 10 books. Well, that's five usually books. what it is. But even like, even with your tweet, it wasn't like, oh, I got family asking me for loans to fund yeah. their company. It's like light bill money yeah. or, you know, things like um, that. So, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a gift and it's a curse. It's so, but it's the responsibility that we have, I think. And I, you know, it was, if you read the comments, I'm sure you did, like, yeah, there was a huge argument amongst like a few people in the, yeah, in the comments. <laughs> like, one, like one person be like, well, it's our responsibility, yeah. which came back to being a cultural thing. So yes. like, I saw a lot of people who were like from like Ghana, Nigeria, and they was like, well, it's, it's your responsibility, your culture. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you make it, you have to go back and help some other people. And then I saw a lot of people, my, especially like 
black people in America was, was like, no, 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 like yeah. I made this happen. Yeah. Like I remember one comment that stood out to me where one person come in and said, well, that's your parent. Like you should want to help out your parent who had you. And the girl replied back and she was like, I ain't asked to be here. And I was, <laughs> I, was I mean, I was going to say, not everybody has the same relationship with their family and their parents. And She's like, well, but, she knew she was knowing she had me. Yeah. She knew her responsibility of being a mother. Now, my my problem, my goal is to take care of my child. Yeah. And I'm not going to give my money to my mother. I'm going to give my money to my child. And so it goes back so it's to- a different, different cultural yeah. norms. And, but so, they also, we talked about earlier, generational wealth. Yes. Black tax has a huge impact Definitely. on generational wealth. Um, what advice do you have for people who don't know how to say no? Because it sounds like you had to learn how to say that. The first one is the hardest one. Mm-hmm. But then it kind of rolls off your tongue. And it's like, <laughs> nope. Um, it's not easy because you don't want somebody with their lights cut off. Yeah. And you don't want somebody like not able to eat. Because sometimes it really does come down to mm-hmm. it. I have personally learned to really be able to decipher between the two. Okay. If you're asking me for money because you went and spent your money on some J's, and now you don't have any money, you need a little money to hold you over to paycheck, I can't help you. Yeah. Because you look mighty fly to be broke. <laughs> I <laughs> got you. I can't work with you. But yes. if if you're a cousin and you're a single mom, and I know you're working two or three jobs already, but you're working two or three minimum wage jobs. So even with those two or three jobs, you're still barely yeah. able to make ends meet. such a real. And here comes yeah. your daughter who wants to do cheerleading. And she can't afford. You can't afford it, not because you're not working. Like you're literally working sun up to sun down. You just can't afford it. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with making sure that that child has the opportunity to be a cheerleader. Because yeah. a lot of times those fees are one hundred fifty dollars. Yep. It's, it's, so yeah. I have no. So once I, <laughs> as I'm older, not been able to really determine between the two. If it's a want or something that you put yourself in, mm-hmm. I can't help you. Mm. But if you're truly working, you're trying to become better, going to school, working two jobs, working three jobs, had two or three kids, maybe you got divorced. If it's something that, because I have different dynamics in my family, yeah. but if it's well, friends too, if it's something like that, I have no problem with helping. Okay. My, my, gra- my great-grandma said it's how you get your blessings. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, lastly, almost lastly, um, what does unbossed mean to you? What does it mean to be unbossed? For me, that means no longer asking for a seat at anybody's table. Mm. Okay. I think for so long, we have been trying to get a seat at the table, and I'm completely over it. And I think that we have enough magic within ourselves to create and build our own tables. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll always tell people who are speaking of trying to get into a room or get into a certain opportunity or, as I say, as I say, get to the table. How do you know they even serving what you eat at the table? That's right. Like, they That's might be serving something that you don't even want to eat. It might, might be poison to your soul. <laughs> um, every table isn't meant for us. I think sometimes mm-hmm. from the outside looking in, it seems like, seems like that's where we want to be. But if you focus on... The, the depths of your soul. Um, once again, it's everything that looks pretty is not pretty. So yeah, unbossed to me is like I'm. I'm not trying to have a seat or trying to make myself fit into anybody's table. You know, most people say, "Oh, well, I pulled me up a seat." You're no, like, nah, nah. Sheena's gonna make her own table. Yeah, I'm. I'm good. I mean, don't get me wrong. At that new table, I want to invite some boss people. Yeah. <laughs> like I ain't trying to sit at the table myself. That's right. But I'm not gonna force myself at a table when they don't want me sitting there. And I have another opportunity to do something over there. I always tell people, 
all these opportunity. I only know handouts. And I'm looking at like, I can feel this like, like ah. from across this table. Have you been in a situation where you've felt like maybe you were initially trying to get, you know, into the club or at a pull up to a table and you realized that it wasn't for you? I think early on my first company, even though I didn't raise money, mm-hmm. it was like, okay. Because when you look at like the tech crunches, you look at all these magazines, everything's about they raise this much money and yeah. you're supposed to be part of this and you get to do that. I'm like, okay, well, how do I get oh, how do yeah. I get to that circle and you know get to that room? Now, let me be 100% honest and frank. Your network will make you or break you in this world. I don't care if it's entertainment. I don't care if it's tech. That's right. Your network will make you or break you. But I think there is a, there is a very thin line between networking and then trying to be part of a club that ain't going to take you anywhere. Um, True. Networking I'll do all day. Uh, let me rephrase. Not Building relationships yes. I will do all day. Networking and building relationships I think are different. Building relationships I do all day. But trying to be part of a club for the sake of being part of a club, you know, is it? I don't want to be the girl with the $2,000 purse with $200 in it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be part of the club. That That's the table. I ain't trying to sit at anymore. Sit at that table. Um, so I, I think early on, before when I didn't know as much, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I've gotten older, I've been doing it since 22 at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely have been able to be like, mm, You're nah. a veteran. You're a veteran at 30. <laughs> that's crazy. I am. <laughs> My early life crisis. <laughs> uh, don't, you know what? We're going we to have to talk about this. Um, okay. Lastly, you did talk about Beyonce, but I want another woman. Um, someone in your Life, whether you know them, celebrity, dead or alive, family member, whoever, who inspires you that is your definition of unbossed? My great grandmother. Why? My great grandmother, as old folks say, Lord bless her soul. She's she's dead. She's and come gone. up a couple times in this conversation. <laughs> My great grandmother was so full of wisdom. I would sit for hours and listen to her talk. So everything from her working for a white man for 25 cents a day to walking to school until she dropped out in second grade to having five and six kids to her mom dying young and having to take care of her younger sister. She was just like full of wisdom. Like she just tell those stories where like, you're just like, I, I would be more grateful. Like, <laughs> but she never complained. Um, she was just, I don't she would do things. I was like, this lady is like just beyond amazing. And then you would get in a room with everybody and you're just like, she created this. Like yeah. we, none of us would be here. Like she literally is the root to this tree. And for all of us, she did everything from old school. So I don't know if they didn't do this even anymore, but when every child was born, she would mold our heads. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. she would mold the head. <laughs> she would put the, she would burn Aww. the penny and put it in our, in our belly button to make sure everybody to had pennies. Every, yep, that's right. So the, every, the perfect exactly. little, so all y'all got, just around here with the perfect little belly button. perfect belly buttons. Um, <laughs> she was just, you know, you had the baby and you can't go outside for six weeks. Like it's super old school, but it's, I do some of those things now. People are like, where do you get this stuff Mm -hmm. from? Like just last week, I literally just tweeted this. I was at a friend's house. He sweeps my feet by accident, not purpose. And I grabbed the broom to spit on it. He's like, he's like, what are you doing? These old school, like I've heard of this. Now I am from the Midwest. I'm not, I'm clearly probably hear it, but there's definitely these these little things that, you know, you pick up on yeah. from, like, the elders yeah. and little superstitious things. And, yes. and it's weird and so you find yourself doing it, too. The wisdom that she had. And just, yeah. like, I don't think even she realized how much wisdom she possessed. But I, I paid attention. So, for sure, my great-grandmother. 
And where can everybody learn more about the work that you're doing and social media? Yeah. So my personal website is SheenaAllen.co.co. And my Twitter and my Instagram is at WhoIsSheena, S-H-E-E-N-A. And but my- now you guys know who she is, well, in case yeah. you didn't know before. So. <laughs> and then my Facebook <laughs> is just backslash Sheena D. Allen. So either one of those, you can find me. All right. Thank you for coming to the studio. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and that's it for today. <laughs> Well, that's about it. If you have a burning question or two, just email me at unboss at essence.com. Tell me about a woman in your life who inspires you to be unbossed. Or if you don't want to email, comment on social media using the hashtag unbosspodcast. And please, please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Say nice things, say constructive things, please. Okay, see you guys later.